the perfect storm. Congress and the White House tussle over major legislation and a possible government default. The pandemic rolls on, booster shots are now underway, and the Supreme Court begins its fall term. I'm Paul Brandis. You're listening to West Wing Reports. It's Friday, October 1st. It's been one of those weeks that remind us that the federal government is many things, often dysfunctional, often essential, often both petty and noble at the same time. As we put this week's show together, fiscal year 2021 has come to an end and fiscal year 2022 is now underway. We weren't sure if Congress and the White House would agree to keep the government funded and avoid a partial shutdown, which would be both embarrassing and damaging. But they were able to do so. That's not all. Other giant problems remain. One of them is a possible government default on its debt. Now, this has never happened. This country is 245 years old, and the government has never defaulted on its debt. What might happen? Here's the forecast from Moody's Analytics. You might want to sit down for this. It says 6 million jobs would be wiped out if the government defaulted on its debt. It says there would be a stock market crash. It says $15 trillion, one five. $15 trillion in household wealth would be wiped out and the unemployment rate would hit 9%. It's currently 5.2%. Now, this could be easily averted if Republicans and Democrats would only work with each other, stop thinking that everything is an opportunity to take shots at the other side, some sort of zero-sum gain. Millions of jobs and trillions of dollars going up in smoke is no game. And that's still not all. The two key pillars of President Biden's domestic agenda are on the rocks. His trillion-dollar infrastructure plan has already passed the Senate, but it's being held hostage in the House. And this time, it's his own fellow Democrats that Biden can blame. The far left refuses to vote on infrastructure until lawmakers first vote on the president's three-and-a-half trillion-dollar social spending package, which covers everything from better health care for kids, the elderly, clean energy programs, college aid, on and on and on. Vote on all that first, the far left says. I said before that the government is many things, dysfunctional but essential, petty but also noble, all at the same time, it seems. Lawmakers want to help people. Many of their ideas are designed to do just that. But the infighting, the finger-pointing, and the absolutism, meaning I'm absolutely right and you're absolutely wrong, well, that's when things break down. Meanwhile, there was other news this week. I know it doesn't look like it, but I am over 65. I wish I <laughs> way over. And that's why I'm getting my booster shot today. President Biden got his booster shot for COVID. He used a photo op to urge others to get theirs, too. The bottom line is that you're fully vaccinated 
and you're highly protected now from severe illness, even if you get COVID-19. You're safe, and we're going to do everything we can to keep it that way with the boosters. But let me be clear, boosters are important, but the most important thing we need to do is get more people vaccinated. The vast majority of Americans are doing the right thing. Over 77% of adults have gotten at least one shot. About 23% haven't gotten any shots. And that, uh, that distinct minority is causing an awful lot of us, uh, uh, an awful lot of damage for the rest of the country. Now, what does the president mean by problems? There were 123,269 new cases of COVID Wednesday alone, say data analysts at Johns Hopkins University. Hospitals are overwhelmed. People with other health issues are getting squeezed out. Doctors and nurses are exhausted. And the tab for all this is soaring. Oh, and 2,531 people died from COVID on Wednesday. So when the president says the unvaccinated are causing problems, that's what he means. Monday is the first Monday in October. That means the traditional start of the Supreme Court's term. Already one case is getting a lot of attention, a Mississippi abortion case that could result in an overturning of Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 ruling, of course, that legalized abortion. There's also some controversy about the court's handling of another uh, recent abortion case, this one in Texas. Now, you might have heard about this one. A narrow majority of justices upheld a strict Texas law that bans abortions after just six weeks of pregnancy. Now, from a medical standpoint, women often don't even know they're pregnant after six weeks. But from a legal standpoint, that's the angle that we're going to talk about here. And I'm happy to be joined by Dick Pierce. He's a law professor at the George Washington University Law School. Now, Professor, uh, this case, the Texas case, is part of what's called the court's shadow docket. Now, for laymen like me, uh, break this down. Give me a simple explanation of what shadow docket means. Let me start, though, by, by correcting one thing that you said in your predicate to the, the question that uh, the Supreme Court did not uphold the Texas law. It refused to enjoin the Texas law, thereby allowing it to go in effect, even though if Roe v. Wade is still the law, and it is still the law today, whatever the court uh, might do in the future, uh, that statute was, was clearly unconstitutional. But it didn't uphold it. Let me start off with a, a bit of background about the shadow docket. Generally, what the Supreme Court does in any really important case is it uh, reads all the briefs, uh, it reads the record, evidentiary record, it has an oral argument, and then uh, at the end of that process, uh, it, it issues an opinion, and the opinions explains why the justices uh, decided the case the way they decided it. And, and to me, that's a crucial part of the, the decision-making process. There are times when the Supreme Court will decide something without giving a reason, refusing to grant a stay of execution is one example. But what troubles Professor Pierce and other legal scholars is the fact that the Supreme Court has been doing this 
for many years now on big issues with vast national importance, like the Texas abortion case. What has been happening over the last six years is very, very major decisions are made, sometimes by the president, sometimes by government agencies, and the court has stayed or declined to stay a large number of those cases without giving any opinion at all, without any statement of reasons. To me, I, I think that's just absolutely outrageous and frightening uh, that uh, it is, uh, I, I think, literally lawless behavior when you make decisions without giving legal reasons for the decisions that you issue. The court has told government agencies and presidents on numerous occasions that they cannot take an important decision without giving reasons for it. And now the court is itself engaged in that kind of utterly lawless practice of making decisions that are very, very important decisions without giving reasons for the decisions. My thanks to Professor Dick Pierce of the George Washington University Law School. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Some other quick items from this week. The murder rate rose last year. 2020 was the highest since 1997, says the FBI, but the overall crime rate fell. The government has declared some 23 animal species extinct. Some, like the ivory-billed woodpecker, haven't been seen in decades, but scientists warn that climate change and habitat destruction may accelerate the extinction of other animals, also certain plants. There's a new Capitol Police chief. He says threats against Congress and members of Congress are soaring and on pace to hit around 9,000 by the end of the year. Money and economic news affecting you now. The economy is growing rapidly, a 6.7% pace in the second quarter. That's faster than an earlier estimate. Business reopenings and pandemic aid sparking the rise. 
Home prices continue to jump up nearly 20% in the year ended July 31st. That's according to the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Index. An S&P analyst calls the gains extraordinary. At the same time, though, there's some evidence that proves Home prices are beginning to cool. The top economist for the National Association of Realtors writes that, quote, the housing sector is clearly settling down. Even so, that group predicts prices will likely rise about five and a half percent. And now let's hear about another Evergreen podcast that I know you'll enjoy. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Now let's open up the West Wing Reports archives and take a look at what made history this week in the past. 1789, the first Congress of the United States proposed 12 amendments to the Constitution, 10 were ratified and are known today as the Bill of Rights. How many of them can you name, by the way? If you're like most Americans, surveys say you can only name one or two. 1918, Woodrow Wilson changed his mind and said he supported the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, giving women the right to vote. Wilson at first opposed women's voting rights until they began protesting in big numbers outside the White House. Some even went on hunger strikes and were force-fed, which appalled the president. The candidates need no introduction. The Republican candidate, Vice President Richard M. Nixon, and the Democratic candidate, Senator John F. Kennedy. And in 1960, the event that changed the presidency forever, the first televised debate. John F. Kennedy, the Democratic nominee, and Richard Nixon, the Republican nominee, would have four debates that year, but it was this first one that changed the entire dynamic of the race. In the election of 1860, Abraham Lincoln said the question was whether this nation could exist half-slave or half-free. In the election of 1960, and with the world around us, the question is whether the world will exist, half-slave or half-free. On TV, Kennedy came across as smooth. He'd just been in California and had a tan. He looked good and was perceived by viewers as being healthy and attractive. There is no question but that this nation cannot stand still because we are in a deadly competition. A competition not only with the men in the Kremlin, but the men in Peking. But Nixon had been ill. He began to sweat and look bad. Never mind what the candidates said. It was the way they looked that mattered. So those watching on TV thought that Kennedy won, but those listening on the radio thought that Nixon won. The debates that year helped establish television as the most important medium in the United States, a reputation cemented by the November 1963 coverage of Kennedy's assassination. The primacy of television also raised questions among historians as to whether other presidents would have been elected 
given their physical attributes. For example, how would television voters have regarded an unsightly Abraham Lincoln or a wheelchair-bound Franklin Roosevelt? If looks were all that mattered, our greatest presidents might never have been elected. I like to end each week with a quote, something you might find thoughtful. This week, it's from another great president, our first one, in fact, George Washington. He said, quote, guard against the impostures of pretended patriotism, unquote. Now, what Washington meant was that some people who call themselves patriots really aren't. Their words may be one thing, but their actions are another. Guard against the impostures of pretended patriotism, Mr. Washington said. Think about it. And that's all for this week. Here's my email, by the way, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. That's P-B-R-A-N-D-U-S, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. I try my best to answer all emails. All I ask is that you keep it civil. Please include your full name and town, and thank you. West Wind Reports is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to C-SPAN for the audio clips. Our producer and sound designer and engineer, Noah Fouts. Executive producers, Michael DeAloya and Gerardo Orlando. I'm Paul Brandis. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast.